Welcome to Better Words, a podcast for readers who want to know the stories behind the pages. We're your hosts, Caitlin and Michelle, two book nerds who bring you in-depth conversations about writing and publishing from those on the inside. Basically, we're just here to talk about books. We're so glad you're joining us. Hello, welcome to Better Words. Hello, hello. Oh, are you in the festive spirit yet, Caitlin? Because it's getting very close to Christmas now. It is, and I really, really am. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, without giving like specifics away, you were showing me before a Secret Santa gift you got made for someone. Just describe <laughs> it a little bit, because um, it is bookish oh my related. God, I don't think I can. <laughs> basically book covers but personalized for the person on a mug very very cool very clever yeah love that I'd be very happy with that secret Santa gift (laughs) I think they were it was good but yeah so that's yes we've had you know people have been exchanging secret Santa presents I've had we've had our office Christmas party I wore a red sequin Santa hat the whole afternoon (laughs) and it was actually also my birthday so that was amazing (laughs) I was like really in the Christmas spirit um (laughs) Yeah, I love I love a December birthday. But yeah, my Christmas tree's been up for ages. You've got your Christmas tree now. Yes, real, real Christmas, Christmas tree. tree. May have um, underestimated the size uh, space ratio in our house, but it's crammed in there. Um, it's quite wide. It's very <laughs> wide. Uh, but it's so lovely to have a real tree. And like, oh, it's getting so dark so early now. So it's actually delightful to have Christmas lights yeah so it's really nice yeah look Um, I'll give you that for Christmas lights but it's been um very hot uh all over Australia but yeah in Sydney it's been hot this past weekend I've had a couple of swims you know summer's here it's exciting we got snow last week so that was very exciting I know um yeah so I mean this is really the time of year where we're like comparing a lot yeah it's very different when I'm in winter and you're in summer we don't really care but around Christmas (laughs) we're like it's summer and it's festive and you're like it's cold and it's festive (laughs) I mean when you're in winter and we're in summer it's pretty much the same temperature so it's fine That's true. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. The other way is just less interesting because it's like, I'm like, oh, it's 20 degrees. And you're like, oh, it's 20 degrees. Yeah, I know. Like, Like, yeah. I mean, the biggest difference, obviously, is the the, how light it stays for how long. Um, But obviously, now, yeah, it gets so dark so quickly. Sometimes I'm finishing work and I'm like, ah, I feel like it is nighttime already. Like, it's just. Yeah, and that's when I finish at three. Like, literally, the sun is set by four. It's so dark. But, yeah, this is the perfect time to curl up and read lots of books. I've absolutely smashed my reading goal out of the park, but mainly because I reread all of Heartstopper this week and I've been reading lots of short stories and stuff like that. So um, I've just been gobbling up books lately, really. <laughs> I know, awesome. And, yes, if anyone does want a couple more Christmas recommendations, we did an extra bonus Christmas substack as we mentioned and planned live on air a couple yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, and then we did that um, episode late. But, yeah, I've, I'll link it in the show notes. We did. Uh, Michelle's got some extra Christmas listening if you're sick of your standard Christmas playlist. I honestly, Michelle, like, read your recommendations, like, when the – I'd read them already, but like when the <laughs> thing like landed like officially in my Substack app, I like made sure to click through because I was like, I'm going to listen to the, especially the Christmas number ones thing yeah. in the UK. I think it's that's such so an interesting, interesting. Thing. and I never, I never thought about it watching Love Actually, but then I remember it it's a couple of years ago when Ed Sheeran did that Christmas song with Elton John. Yes. I remember they were like going for the Christmas song. Yeah, and that was the third in a row for that particular like it's the Christmas sausage rolls one and it's like a jokey one they talk about it right at the end but it's the first time it like beat out the Beatles and the Spice Girls I think to be the third in a row to have like a Christmas song top the charts like it's a really cool bit of history um and that's why so that's why they did like sausage rolls for everyone and merry christmas everyone that's why they did two versions and then stopped themselves getting number one it's very interesting but um yeah the other thing that i mentioned in there that they talk about is just the history of charts for music which is fascinating and how it changes with streaming and stuff like it's just really interesting so i've got comedy history podcast the christmas charts is interesting because wasn't it only a couple of years ago that 
the Mariah Carey song like was number one in the US for the first time. Potentially, and it was, like, over yeah, years old. potentially. Like, it's so interesting. It's really fascinating. But, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so and I tried to recommend some fresher Christmas watching for you. I didn't even friend of the pod. I did, but I didn't even <laughs> didn't, Alicia. We didn't even plan this. But the movie that you recommended is related to one of my recommendations as well um, because Maisie Peters wrote a song for it which I recommend (laughs) so yeah yeah yeah, it's quite fun and then yes friend of the pod Alicia um, recommended some books because she is like the queen of Christmas reading there's all kinds of recommendations there for you for your festive content um, and on that note, I actually have another festive book as well to recommend. Oh, is that your recommendation? That's my recommendation. Today? Yeah. Great. Go ahead. Okay. So this one is also actually quite interesting. I will link this episode because we were discussing it. Um, it's an episode of um, Cool Story by uh, Bree Lee and Bridie Jabour. And they were talking about like recommendations and review culture. They were talking about the fact that sometimes they like, obviously it's very rare for people like us and big readers to actually go into a bookstore and not know something about books, like to not have heard something, read something, been recommended something. And Brie said something really interesting on there, which is that she tries like every month or so to, to go into a bookshop and just pick up a book at random that she knows nothing about and like choose based on the blurb and and the vibe, I guess. And like, but choose something that way. Anyway, I'm going to try and keep doing that in the new year. Um, And also side tangent, I've been planning out reading challenges for the new year as well, because a lot of reading challenges drop on December 1st and I've done a lot of like book admin and it's really exciting. <laughs> um, it's just something really exciting about doing that. Will I follow through? Who knows? But anyway, um, so I want one of the things, one of my goals next year for reading to do the same, to sort of pick up a book at random that's not a recommendation from a friend or a colleague or something that I've heard about somewhere else. Anyway, all that is to say that I picked this book up at random before I knew any of this and before I knew it was something I wanted to do because it looked really pretty and it sounded really good. And that is Gifts by Laura Barnett. So this is a Christmas book, but it's sort of um, basically described as 12 people, 12 gifts. And it's told as a set of like interconnecting stories and each short story is that person searching for a gift for someone else and then the next story the person who was the gift recipient is the is the focus of the story but she brings in a lot of backstory of like how their relationship is so it sort of moves from this one person looking for a gift for a guy she likes the guy looking for a gift for his daughter who's looking for a gift for her grandmother and so on and so on and so on and it goes through this whole community and it finishes at the Christmas party where they sort of all are together um and it's just really really beautiful I love the concept of that but then the actual writing is absolutely gorgeous um I think it's a little bit on the sort of a little bit more on the literary side I mean not what you'd necessarily expect from a Christmas book um but it was just really gorgeous Caitlin I think you will love this it's a really lovely contemporary novel yeah that sounds so lovely yeah and just the way the format like I kind of race through it but yeah you really can just sort of break it up in chunks and stuff as well so that's Gifts by Laura Barnett yeah with the short section yeah oh lovely yeah. oh well that's a great um timely you know recommendation um my recommendation is also timely but it's completely useless um because <laughs> I just want to talk about hearts oh, oh, yes okay it's like a mini book club now because I as I said yeah read all of them and then you know bought number five home from work and yeah read that immediately as well and I love it <laughs> yeah I know I went to buy it um on my lunch break and on Thursday when it came out, Thursday the 7th. Um, and then we had a big meeting in the afternoon at work and there was like one slide where someone in our sales team had like a bunch of other books that were like going to be like that we should all be like looking out for at Christmas by other publishers. And he said, oh, I, and I forgot to put Heartstopper on there, but that's out like next week or something like that. And I just went, it's out today. Oh, I already bought actually. it. And everyone laughed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I was like, it's out today. I was like, everyone should be across this. It's out today. Um, it's and I was like, I've already bought it. Yeah. And everyone kind of like laughed at me. But yeah, 
Um, but so, so wonderful. Heartstopper Volume 5, um, it is, is the newest edition. And I think I'd kind of forgotten how long it had been since Volume 4 came out. Yeah, um, it's been ages. I mean, obviously, before the Netflix series, right? And I think it was before, Potentially yeah. even or maybe... before Loveless or just after Loveless, like around that time maybe. Yeah, so Volume 4 came out in 2021, which would have been – it might have been the end of the year again, and that mm. would have been before the first season of Heartstopper landed on Netflix, I think. And then obviously yeah. we've had the second season already. Um, but, yeah, so – and obviously um, – and wonderfully, Alice has been very involved um, in the series, so she's been very busy. Um, and we've had to wait a while for more Heartstopper graphic novels. But, oh, it was worth the wait. So it was good. such a wonderful volume. And I think it explores... We texted a bit. I mean, you know, I'm sure lots of people have read it already. I don't want to, like spoil it if anyone hasn't or anything but we were texting a bit Michelle about how it explores obviously the story continues to follow on and Nick and Charlie are really solidly together Mm. but considering their future um, and explores teen relationships and how intense and important they can feel and obviously all kinds of relationships friendships romantic relationships everything as everyone starts to plan their future and you realize all your friends might be going in different directions um it's obviously always an interesting topic to explore um yeah and a bit more of tori as well we love tori yes we do i know so i didn't actually go back and reread all of the graphic novels but that was purely a time sensitivity issue because I've been very busy the last yes, couple well, of I only days have a this week. job so I have time <laughs> to do that that was um, not like reading shaming I totally oh, would no, like but I, it's been yeah, very... I was like oh I'm gonna do this like I just I felt like I hadn't read them yeah. for ages so I was like I'll just get back into yeah it. I know I mean, now that real, I've read volume five I'm each, like so. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Now that I've read Volume 5, I'm like, oh, I really do want to go back and read them. Maybe that's... Yeah, they're very sweet. I'll have to do yeah. that very soon. I love it. Um, yeah. Also really loved so, that... just love Heartstopper. I loved it at the end. There's a little guide to where certain things happen um, in the sort of Heartstopper universe. So you can be across what's happening when... If you want to reread Solitaire, which you might yeah. want to do because... New covers being reissued next year. I don't know about Australia, but I know over here I'm going to be ordering um, all of Alice's books with new covers. The illustrated for the American edition. Yeah. And they're bringing them out in the UK and possibly also Australia. I'm not sure. But I've been telling everyone who buys Heartstopper uh, (laughs) that they should also look at those. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, totally. I know. Well, because... There's, I was thankful for that little timeline as well because now there's five volumes of the graphic novels, there's two novellas and Solitaire. There's quite the extensive universe um, that's been created. Yeah, definitely. Now I want to go back and rewatch the TV show as well. Um, oh, always. Yes. Excellent. So just all the happy content um, at this time of year, everyone. <laughs> all the happy content and um, please come join us on Substack. You don't have to download the app. You can just sign up to get our emails in your inbox or you can join us on the app and you can come and tell us what you've been reading and enjoying as well. There's lots of bookish people doing lots of bookish like Substacks and stuff that you'll find so much stuff. Um, Yeah, come join us. It's really fun. Our guest today is the winner of the 2022 Text Prize for her debut YA novel, Let's Never Speak of This Again. She lives in Brisbane with her husband and their three children. Welcome to the podcast today, Megan Williams. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. I feel like we say this every single year and we try and have the winner on every single year, like just because we generally love the books, but we love the text prize. There's always something absolutely amazing. And I feel like pretty much we have had the winner on each year, maybe? Last like three or four years, at least, I would say. So congratulations, Megan. So to start us off, 
Can you tell us a bit about Let's Never Speak of This Again? So it's about 16-year-old Abby and she's at school and she's got a really close, a small but really close group of friends, including her best friend Ella, who she's been friends with since basically their whole lives. She does have some challenges. You know, her relationship with her mom is a, is a bit strained and her grandma's uh, going through dementia. But with her friends, everything everything feels manageable. And even things can be funny when she's got her friends there by her side. And then things start to change when a new girl, Chloe, arrives at the school and she hits it off with Abby and they become friends really quickly. But Abby wasn't expecting that she'd slot into their friendship group quite so quickly and easily. And then it's not long until she's feeling a little bit bit left out, a little bit on the outer. And then something tragic happens to Ella and her family. And it's a time in her life when she needs Abby more than ever. But it's also right at the time when Abby's starting to question their friendship and whether they are as close as they used to be. I think it's just so like, yeah, there's so much to explore with teenage girls' friendships (laughs) and... I 100% was like the third person sometimes. Like I sometimes felt like I was the one on the outer, didn't quite have like a best friend. And I remember, you know, being a teenager and feeling like that was something that was a real problem that was like really lacking that I didn't have a best friend. I think in media and stuff, we do sort of prioritize that that friendship. Um, and it's a really complicated dynamic and it's so complicated when someone new comes in as well. Cause I guess as teenagers, like we're not used to handling that, are we? Like obviously as adults, we, we do handle it a bit more, you know, like our friends, you know, might make friends with work colleagues or, you know, meet people through their partners or something. And, and, you know, you're used to people coming in and out of your life a bit more, but I guess everything like with anything YA, it all feels so fresh and like, urgent when you're that age yeah and I think the teenagers just that close friendship of three is just a really tricky thing to navigate I think a very mature teenager who feels secure in a three yeah I feel like there's always two and one (laughs) yeah and it can change and yeah I think part of growing up is learning that other people's friendships with your friends don't necessarily impact automatically on your friendships the teenage girl friendship thing oh my god it's so crazy and like reading this book I was thinking about um, my own friendship group in high school because similarly I didn't feel like I was like someone's like best best friend until year 11 and a friend of mine and I got like much closer and then it was like even though I'd been friends with the same girls for years those subtle changes where it's like oh well like now we're closer friends and then you like are evaluating everyone else's friendships as well and their friendships with everyone else and your friendships with the others now that like these subtle things change and I found that really fascinating with Chloe coming in and becoming friends with all four of the girls but especially Mm. Ella and of course Abby you could almost say the whole book is about that really there's a lot else that there's a lot of other stuff that goes on but that is really I think one of the main parts of the book and why did you want to focus on that I did want it to be a book about friendship you know, as we said, those changing friendship dynamics and I guess testing the friendship. So when I started, I did kind of have that idea that it would be about those three main girls and that something tragic would happen between the original two best friends right at the time when they were feeling unsure of the friendship. Yeah, because the other interesting element, of course, with changing friendships as teenagers and in YA is when people um, start getting into romantic relationships Mm -hmm. And that's an element that plays into Ella and Chloe becoming closer as well. Yes. Yep. And, you know, feeling a little bit left behind. And even though she wasn't, she was having different experiences at the start, she was still that that trusted friend where she felt, you know, still very much involved in what was going on. But then, yeah, basically Ella and Chloe start dating guys that are close friends. And that then is another reason why, Abby perceives they're becoming closer and just another reason of why she's feeling on the outer. Yeah. She's not jealous of those romantic relationships. She, it's the friendship that mm. she mm. becomes jealous of really. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
that's the bit that she's missing out on she doesn't yeah she doesn't actually care about the guys at all she's not that interested in them to be honest yeah yeah (laughs) so if we can just step back um once more like was there something that inspired you to tell this story was there like one moment or was it something that sort of built up over time kind of so I started writing in the first lockdown in Queensland so it was literally March 2020 the first lockdown my daughter had just turned one and I think I just had too much time to think about <laughs> life and her growing up. I was thinking, cause it was like, she turned one, she started talking really quickly and then we started arguing like with a one-year-old and I just, oh, no. realization, like you're going to become a teenager. And so I was just thinking about oh. what I, you know, what I hoped for her as a teenager and yeah, I think I've told this before, but it was like my first thought was that um, I thought, God, I hope you have good friends. You know, you can get through pretty much anything yeah. as a teenager when you have good friends. And then I thought about it some more. And over the course of writing it, we had a second child. She's got a disability and, you know, she's someone in her, that I really want the older sister to, to be a good friend to her. And it just got me thinking, like, I don't want you to just have good friends. I want you to be a good friend. Yeah. So around that whole yeah. concept. Wow. It's so, I mean, yeah, the people around you are so important, aren't they? And I think it's so funny to hear parents talk about, I think people do it all the time, especially with like toddlers and you just think, oh, what are they going to be like as teenagers? How are they going to be able to handle this when they're older? And it's so interesting that the idea, like that sort of sparked some YA in your mind. hundred percent. And when I was writing it, I was going, am I the teenager? Am I the mum? Am I? <laughs> I flitted between <laughs> who I identified with the most. I wanted it to be the teenager, but I thought, no, probably not anymore. <laughs> I know. Well, I did want to ask you about the relationship with the mother because I really, in YA, it is so common that the parents are just not there. Like they're not characters at all. And you're like, does this person even have parents while they're like out all night or like drinking or whatever is going on in this book? And if they are important characters, it is also often because they're not supportive or, you know, not very good parents or their child feels really disconnected from them, who's our main character. And that's a key part of the story. And so when there's good parents in YA, we really love it. And we love talking about it on this podcast. And I really liked Abby's parents. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. I wanted them. I mean, the mum's a lot more developed than the dad, just, you know, yeah. the story, but, and I wanted the parents and the mum in particular to be really caring and really trying but still reflects that, you know, in your teenage years, it often is your friends Mm -hmm. that you rely on more. Yeah, totally. But then still sometimes something happens where you don't, you feel out of your depth and you just want, you just want your mom or you want your parents and you want them to, them to tell you it's all okay. Um, And then (laughs) they say, wake up and go back to your friends and (laughs) whiplash. Oh, totally. I think there's an amazing clip, I think, of Tina Fey on like a late night show where she talks about her teenage daughter and she's like it's like having an office crush because she'll like walk out and say hello to you and you're like oh my god she's talking to me today like oh like so exciting and then like they disappear again and you're like oh no like they're not into me anymore like what's going on I think I saw it must have been a very similar one I think it was Tina Fey asking if the daughter wants to go and it's like hi I was just thinking do you want to come out and join us tonight (laughs) or not if you do it's fine yeah like it'd be really cool if you did like but maybe like you know you probably got other plans I don't know yeah Yeah, it's so funny I really often joke um to my family and friends and everything that I just have no idea what any what my parents or siblings were doing the year I was in year 12 because I was otherwise occupied that was really my year that was like all about my friends and I was spending all my time with them and all my energy on them and I have no idea what happened in my in a way that's how it should be like that's that's sort of what it's like that's a rite of passage yeah it is a bit and this book reflects that really well yeah that'd be good if you just if it was just in year 12 I think I was probably a few more years. Yeah, that was the most. Yeah, yeah. Because then, like, to the point where, like, then, you know, the next year when I was first year uni and, like, was just home more because, like, you're not at school, like, all day or whatever. I don't even remember what now, but there were things where I was like, what? And, like, my younger sister was fully like, yeah, like, you just didn't pay attention to that last year and I was like oh sorry like I just but once school finishes you just have more time 
to find, you know, your own rhythm with spending time with friends. And they just seems to be more space for everything, including family. As we've talked about on this podcast so many times, like that in itself brings up so many things that can be explored in, you know, wonderful, wonderful books, that idea of like adjusting to, you know, friendships once you're not with each other for X amount of hours per day um, and all that sort of stuff if you're moving away, if you're going to uni. But I do think like you're right, there is like – you don't actually realize because I guess now once you're an adult you're like oh school was so free didn't have to think about anything (laughs) but you are there the whole time and you know it it feels so important when you are there and it feels like your I mean it is your whole world pretty much um a lot of the time because it just takes up so so much of your time and your headspace and all that sort of stuff whether that be you know actual schoolwork or all the drama surrounding certain things social status all that sort of stuff like you kind of like it does we look back and romanticize I think because we didn't have to think about adult things but you it is a big deal when you're that age even just having an hour a day with having lunch with all your friends yeah just don't it's yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Um, but Caitlin, I know you wanted to ask in particular something um, that I, I guess is like one of the, it's a, it's a small part of the novel, but I know there was something in particular you wanted to ask about Abby's relationship with her mum. Yes, because there's a key scene that really um, stuck out to me when Abby is being a perfect 16-year-old being so bratty and wishing the whole world would change plans for her. There's um, Ella, the guy like Angus, that she's like maybe going to like start dating, um, is like having a party or like not even really a party and so everyone wants to go over but it's Abby's grandmother's birthday and so there's a family dinner and like she's having this argument with her mum and she's like, well, why are we going, like why didn't, why can't we go to lunch instead? And it's like, well, I've already booked it and they're booked out for lunch. And she's like, well, why don't you book it sooner? And like, all oh, just like this back and forth of Abby <laughs> having this argument with her mother. And I was like, of course, wanting to choose friends over family as we've been discussing. But the bit that really stuck out to me that I really liked um, is I, I wish I'd like marked it properly because I think you wrote something like mum just tenses and goes, and like whispers, you little bitch, (laughs) like she's being so awful. And I really liked that. I think there's, and there's other scenes with Abby's father as well. Both of them kind of go back at her on occasion where it's like, um, you're, you know, you're being the brat here. You don't realize what your family's doing for you. And I really liked that the parents did that, (laughs) that they, just were like, actually, no, you're being awful. Because as adults, when we read YA now, we go, oh, 16-year-old girls are awful, aren't they? Like we all were one and we were awful, but it's good to read the parents going back sometimes, I think. Yeah, but then I think as well, you know, she says that and then immediately feels horrible. Like, yes, she yeah, of course. being a massive brat and did need a little bit of a reality check, but just you know yes. losing it's losing your cool when you are trying so hard to both sides they like start off thinking even Abby she kind of had a they had a moment and then she comes back and she thinks no I'm just going to be really really calm but also then I'm going to get my way obviously um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah you're right no, she's being a massive brat and I just oh my god I've told so many people about that scene because I just loved it <laughs> Oh, thank you. Was there any like pushback from your editors or anything about, um, I guess, including a scene like that? No, I, I didn't show it to many people before I sent it in, but I heard not through my mum, but I heard through some friends that read it that mum was just convinced that oh. she was the mum, which wasn't wasn't oh. the case. But she <laughs> was like, "This must be a memory from when you were a teenager." Yeah. Well, she was just convinced that that was oh. her. So I did read it again and just thought, okay, well, if you're convinced this is the mum, I'm going to make the mum nicer. (laughs) So I did try. I just wanted all the characters to be, you know, well-rounded. So I wanted the mum to still not be perfect and make mistakes as well, but I wanted it to come across that she is trying because I think that's something that you don't always 
Like I didn't appreciate a lot of the things my parents did for me until I was much older. And all those decisions that they would have made that are purely, they probably agonized over some of them and they were purely for what they thought was my safety. And at the time it's like the world is ending. Like why, why do you have to call the parents? Why can't we walk across the park and get a taxi home at 2am? Like all that stuff, which is not them ruining your lives. It's genuinely I know. trying to make decisions yeah. about. And was it interesting? Like, do you think that you would have had that same perspective too? I mean, not not that you can't have that perspective if you haven't had kids, but do you think that having your children, you know, before you started writing it, do you think that played into it as well? Thinking like, you know, you've got that extra perspective then of how frustrating I guess it can be when you love these children, but also you're super tired being, you know, a mum of, well, now three um, small children must just be um, so tiring sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I don't definitely don't think you need to have kids to, I think it's just part of growing up and maturing to yeah, of course. look back and reflect on your childhood and appreciate other people's mm. perspectives more. But certainly having kids made me think about them. Definitely, and probably, yeah, and really bring home to me how hard it can be. And I guess very sometimes underappreciated. I'm saying that for a bloody four-year-old, like I can't imagine. um, Yeah. Of a teenager. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Um, Yeah. And obviously, like we, the, the title, Let's Never Speak of This Again, you know, it does capture so perfectly the things that happen in the book, the, 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 as you mentioned, there is a tragedy that happens to Ella and her family. Um, and there's so many other little tiny kind of nuanced things that go on throughout the book that we both just felt like that title is absolutely perfect. Yeah. You know, like even, you know, with the things like, um, you mentioned Abby's grandmother, you know, obviously there's all the changing friendship dynamics. Like it's just all of these things that are so, hard to talk about and no one ever wants to talk about and yeah the title just really captures all of that was that something that you always had in mind or was it something that needed to to workshop and everybody no. sort of how did you how did you get this title <laughs> so I had called it malleable me yeah I like a little bit of alliteration and I submitted it with that title oh. and then one of the first conversations with text were um like a lot of positive feedback about the story and it was you know, a lot of compliments. We're feeling really good about it, but we all hate the title. Um, <laughs> Compliment sandwich. Yeah, yeah, it was, this is great. I think it's really going to connect. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, we all hate the title. We just hate it. Um, and so I said, okay, I'll, and I think it was a suggested, I think they said, do you want to have a think about some alternative titles and we might have a think on our end. And then I came up, I think I sent five titles and then I just looked back at the chapter headings and that one stuck out as me as, yeah, it, it's early on. I thought it captured a lot of the story as well. And so I was quite excited by it. But then I wasn't sure because I also loved the first title. So, so I like, it's my judgment. You know, I'm not sure if you judge yeah. <laughs> You're like, I better not trust my own judgment. But I did say, yeah. I was like, well, what about this? And then I think I was just being nerdy and gave four more options, which were, I think they were all some of the little headings. Yeah, I think another one was like, tell me what to say, tell me what to do. Just little things like that. But that, yeah, let's never speak of this again. I thought it was good, but I then waited. And then, yeah, they, they were happy with it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I just, I mean, titles of books are so interesting with how they're like, how people come up with them sometimes or who has come up with the title. And yeah, when I was thinking, you know, about things to ask you, I was like, man, it's just such a good title. And then I was like, I wonder if it, you either like always had it or I thought it might've been really tricky to come up with. Cause like, I said, I do work in publishing and I know sometimes they're just like, oh man, what the hell are we going to call this? Like sometimes you just cannot, everyone's trying and there's like a million titles being thrown out, you know, into the table from the author, from the agent, from the publishing team, from the sales team. And we just go like, what are we going to call this one? Like it can be really hard. Yeah. I didn't know if it was too long. I guess it, it sort of speaks to the it's not like doesn't stick it in a particular genre necessarily of like oh this is about you know teenage romance or you know how sometimes titles you're like oh that that's the vibe of that like that says to me as well 
this book is going to be about a, a, a lot of different things and like it's contemporary and yeah so I think like a, like even when I just saw the title you know before we sort of read it you know when it was just sort of announced and stuff I was like oh that's that that really intrigued me and I wanted to know more it is an intriguing title yeah, yeah, yeah. what are we not speaking about <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, and, you know, without going into spoiler territory, of course, you know, throughout the book, you are exploring different elements of grief. Um, and, you know, in some ways, like, I guess that feels like something we don't often see in YA, or if we do, you know, it's about maybe one thing, but I feel like there's a couple of different dimensions of grief here. Um, why did you want to sort of explore it in that really nuanced way? I guess I think the thing that might be slightly different about this book is that some of the main experience of grief, Abby, is that one step removed. So she's kind of mm. looking at it. Initially, she kind of thinks there's a hierarchy of grief and at the start is a bit preoccupied with what right she thinks she has to grieve. But, and that's... You know, part of her story as well is um, her own grief, but then a big part of it is supporting a friend who's grieving when she hadn't experienced anything like that herself. So she's coming at it from that angle. I guess that was just my experience as a teenager. It was parents. A lot of my friends in high school lost a parent. And um, so I, you know, it's not, I didn't directly, I just drew from those experiences of, that was a challenge for me in high school of how to support friends when it's just something so huge and something that I didn't, hadn't experienced. And yeah, something I really struggled with in high school and wanted to explore that through the book. Yeah. I guess even as an adult, it's hard to know what, what you do in those situations to support someone. Yeah, definitely. It's so tricky. And especially for a teenager when it's the first time anything like this has happened to anyone you know like that's really tricky as well like I I mean I remember in high school when friends would like you know lose a grandparent and I wouldn't even know what to do because all of mine were still alive like Mm. and that's you know not more common but is slightly more expected (laughs) um in some ways but yeah it's so hard and it's so interesting Abby's relationship with Ella and the rest of her family and then again how Chloe reacts to all of it as well is very interesting and I don't want to it's hard to talk about because I don't want to spoil it because we're not doing spoilers today but yeah it's a really interesting part of the book um and handled very well um well I really want to hear all about your writing journey and like entering the text prize and then finding out you'd won and everything. So can you take us back to March, 2020, as much as we don't want to go back there, um, start from the beginning. Cause now the book is out on bookshelves three years later. That's crazy. Yeah. So I started writing it. Yeah. That first weekend of lockdown. Um, I wanted to write <laughs> literally the first weekend straight yeah, away. And I just gone back to work and, I'd gone back, I was being back at work for one week and I think I just was really worried. I couldn't think anymore. I just had a, my first year of maternity leave. Mm, um, yeah. I'd wanted to, and that first year, so I've always read heaps and heaps and then on parental leave, I couldn't read at all. I just read, I just watched trashy TV. Oh, wow. um, like I literally didn't read a book for a year and then I went back to work and just I really felt stupid so I mean like, I need to check my brain <laughs> and also you know just that weird like it feels weird to say it now but at the start of the pandemic it was almost a bit of a novelty being at home yeah, yeah. oh totally like, oh, oh what yeah. am I gonna do and I had wanted what's to my write... project gonna be yes it's like I need I, I want to do try something and I wanted to write for a long time <laughs> Just for like the next few weeks, I'll have a fun little project yeah, at home. Yeah. I'd like, we'd worked out this whole timetable with my husband of how we were going to get to work and who's going to drop off at daycare and who's going to pick up. And we had this whole schedule um, and then we didn't need to do that. So we had our daughter at home, but so we we're trying to work around her, which was really hard, mm. but we had all this extra time. It felt like, so I would just do, you know, like 20 minutes in the morning before I started work. Um, and I just really liked it. So I, I just did little bits here and there and probably did that for, uh, I worked out the other day. I did it for four months. Um, and I had, I think mm-hmm. it was 25,000 words. So like a bit less than half, but I had the structure. Like I knew 
well, not the structure, but I had the basic story. I knew the beginning, the middle, the end, and I just wrote it in little pieces and kind of expanded it. And then um, four months later, we got pregnant with our second child and I did prenatal testing and we found out that she had Down syndrome. And then that just kind of shocked us. And it was just put away, forgotten about, just completely, completely forgotten about until a year later. Um, she was born. She's so wonderful. We're still in the pandemic. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so then I'm now at yeah. home with the two-year-old and then a newborn who's got a compromised immune system in a pandemic. And the doctors really encouraged oh, me. Yeah to pump, which is really just an awful experience. And I just needed something to distract myself. And I just found myself thinking about the story again. Um, so I literally bundled the girls, you know, one of our loud outings, I just went to office works and printed it out. And then I just propped it up on the kitchen bench. And while I pumped, so seven minutes at a time, I read it. And I just started, <laughs> it just got me excited again. And I just started thinking about where it would go next. And then I think this would have been middle of 2021. And I thought I'd actually, I'd intended right. to enter it in the text prize the year before. And then that just completely, that didn't happen. forgot about it. And I picked it up again midway yeah. through the next year. I was like, oh, you know, this is yeah. like, maybe I could see if I could finish it. Um, so I did that. And all the while, I, I think I did lockdown listening to podcasts. I, I probably listened to like six to eight Same. hours a day. Yeah. And I was just listening to all these yeah. ones on how to write. And um, I can't remember which one it was, but someone was just talking about how good it was getting a freelance editor, like getting someone to look at the work. And one of my friends who also listens to these kind of podcasts said, that's what you should do. I was like, no, 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 I couldn't do that. And she goes, yeah, you should. And, you know, I did that. No, no, no. Oh, could I? Could I pay someone to look at look at this thing I've written? Um, and I naively finished the draft and then just sent off my email saying, hi, could I please get a manuscript assessment thinking, oh, you know, I'll get it back the next week and have a couple of months to tidy it up. And I got this lovely response that was like, I'd love to have a look at it, but I'm booked up for four months. Um, that took, would have taken me, I think submissions closed the end of February or mid-February and this would have been, basically I, I went with it, but I had two weeks to turn it around after I got the feedback. Oh, once I got a report yeah. and then right. um, got some wonderful feedback and then just had a, a deadline. So I just made it as, you know, implemented the feedback as best I could and submitted it. Ended up being the year after. So, yeah, the 2022 one. Yeah, so it, it's a wow. weird. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, you know, it's such an interesting story hearing how people, you know, write and everything. But, yeah, that you kind of just it flew out the window and then you're thinking about it again and reading over it and making adjustments in seven minute increments while pumping. That's yeah, like I love that. Hilarious. <laughs> I love hearing when people are like, Oh, you know, so I would like ride on the train or like, mm. you know, like everyone's stories. Is, it's always so different. Yeah. It's so good. To and hear. I think I needed that. Like I'm not, I love writing, but I'm, I find the creative side really hard. So for me, I would do all the thinking, not at the computer. So like I'd, I'd use that time, but then what would happen is I'd then have to go and watch the kids or do something else. But part of me, I'd be playing Lego or playing hide and seek, and just part of me, you know, you don't need that much brain power to do that, is just going over the story. Yeah. So when I sat down next, I was never yeah. like looking at a blank page. So I just knew I would always just have a bit more in my mind. The ne I'd have the next little scene in my mind. Think. Yeah. And there is a yeah. lot to be said for that. I mean, I remember reading um, John Cleese's book on creativity and he sort of talks about the fact that, yeah, once you're sort of thinking about something, you often unconsciously are thinking about things and working on things 
um, even after you sit down and write them. So he gives this example of, um, I think it's like a Monty Python script that they write, which he's like, this is fabulous. This is great. It's really good. And they like lost the script. And it was like, obviously back in like typewriter days and they could not find the script. So the next day they had to like sit down and write it all again. And he's like, oh, when we wrote it the second time, we were like, oh no, this is so much better. And it's, he's like, because the issues that we'd had with the first one, like in that time, we'd sort of kept thinking about it and going back the second time meant that we'd worked out some of those little issues. I'm not, I'm not telling it in the best yeah. way, but basically no, it's, that, that sounds yeah, it's, that, it's that idea that, yeah, like, and I mean, obviously this is why we edit our work and everything, right? Cause like you keep thinking about it, but the idea that, yeah, you might sit down and get, you know, 10 minutes to write a scene, but then afterwards, like that spurs on other stuff and you're thinking about, oh, like what's this conflict going to be? Or like what, you know, these other issues that you have. And it's funny, isn't it? That like, writing actually like if you were to watch someone writing it's so boring because so much of it is just thinking about stuff before you put your fingers on the keyboard at all like you just need to sit and think through possibilities you know I guess it's that idea of doing something physical with your body so for you playing with your kids Mm. that part of your mind is occupied you're physically doing something and then your brain can like work away in the background on the story I love that yeah so if there was any little problem that I if I couldn't tie storylines together anything like that I'd always come up with the solution not at at my computer it'd be as you said when I'm doing something else yeah and also like you know you hear some people some people it works for them to just write 80,000 words on the page as fast as they can and then go and edit it. But yeah. I think I'm yeah. that doesn't work as well for me. Like I, I need to have a middle ground. If I just do that free flow, whatever comes out, I just think it's too terrible um, that I'd find it too disheartening to go back and edit it. Yeah, yeah. Then you can't get too. It just kind of needs to be that good enough to get down where you know how it's going to help the story and certainly it becomes so much better through editing. But I still found I needed to kind of be happy enough with it before I typed it out. Otherwise, yeah, yes. just write it and go, yeah. oh, that's so embarrassing. Oh, that's so terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like that. I mean, it's really good that that's the way that works best for you because it, it sounds like it was the perfect option yeah, with the short increments of time you yeah. Have. yeah like it sounds like yeah. it was absolutely perfect for you yeah there's a reason the chapters are very short <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah it's probably a, a good thing then that like that your writing style isn't like sitting in front of a blank page and like thinking calmly because like you would yeah. never be able to do that yeah I had one <laughs> so just before I was finishing it off my husband was like I'll take the girls out and you can have the whole morning and so I had five hours and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to get so much done. And I really just sat down and worked really, really hard. But after about two and a half, I just kind of burnt out. Yeah, like, there's yeah. only so much you can do. Yeah. yeah. So because like, you always think, oh, if I had more time, it, it could be so much better. I could get so much more done. But I think that's not necessarily the case. Mm. Well, that's what I like to tell myself anyway, after that one experience. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. after you entered the text prize, then I'm sure there was a lot of uh, waiting uh, while they were, you know, behind the scenes reading all the submissions and going, oh, this one's good, but we hate the title. <laughs> um, and then can you tell us about then when they contacted you? I assume like they would have shortlisted first and then before. It was quite a quick. So I, I've been following the text prize and I think I knew around the time they'd likely be doing things. And I think even it just had some guidance, like, oh, maybe in the middle of the year, you'll announce the shortlist. Um, and I got an email. The first contact was an email that just said something like, oh, do you have time to discuss it? And I thought, oh gosh, this is maybe good news. And I was kind of, um, Like in my wildest dreams, I was thinking maybe I could get shortlisted and maybe I'll get some great feedback and, you know, some ideas on what to do next. Because also like so many books have been published or acquired by texts that were shortlisted too, you know, being shortlisted for something like that is also 
a really good step yeah, to publication. Yeah, you can still get, definitely still get off at a yeah, publishing totally. contract. Either way, it's just a great opportunity. Um, and so I was absolutely thrilled. And then it was a week, I think it was a week later, I got a call from Jane, who was then my editor, and it just happened. I was about to be interviewed about my thoughts on prenatal screening and which is something I'm quite quite passionate about but it's very heavy and I was just I was sitting at my computer and I just had these notes and really you know when you're just really absorbed in something like I I had all my views on NIPT Mm -hmm. first I was ready to go and then I had a call which I thought might be from the person who was interviewing me um but it was from Jane and I I was just so shocked because it was it was a week later I just it wasn't even on my radar. I was expecting it to be ages away. Yeah. And I, I just kept saying, are you joking? Are you joking? <laughs> and she was just trying to, she's like, no, no, I'm not joking. And just trying to have this exciting conversation <laughs> with me. But I just didn't really, it might've been a bit underwhelming. You were, not, you were yeah. not in the right headspace. But it was really oh, no. exciting. Like it was just, um, yeah, it was just a really, really, it took me a little bit after that to, for it to sink in. Yeah, to absorb the news and then you were excited. Um, so then I was trying to give the interview and not because it's a really serious topic and I was so happy. I just kept smiling and I was like, no, no, no back to, <laughs> back to what we're was talking it about. A, was, yeah. it a, like, was it a TV interview? or No, just for like a podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah, a very niche um, very niche podcast. Yeah, but still okay. like, yeah, you're like, oh, oh I've got gosh. to get back in the zone. Yeah. <laughs> serious yeah back in the other part of my wow. brain yeah I just wanted to tell them I just wanted to say can we just pause I just got some great news um <laughs> which is That's ironically is like just the opposite oh my experience God. to often if you get the results of your prenatal screening so it was a very interesting um comparison. yeah yeah and so then that was Jane who was my editor at text and then I got to work with her for the whole following year which was so fun. So it's like, it's great to have the book out there, but I really loved working on it. So I was, it was quite sad. <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, cause now it's, now it's done. Yeah. You can't change it. It's like, it's, it yeah. exists. Like I love just getting, yeah. I got a bit of a schedule about when, roughly when things would happen, mm-hmm. but yeah, otherwise I'd just be kind of going about my days, keeping an eye on my inbox. And then I'd get an email that had the next round of editing. And that just gave me something to work on for the next little bit, which was really, yeah, really fun. Cause yeah, you work on it by yourself for yeah. so long, but it is so nice to then share it with someone who's really excited about it and just and so invested in making it so good and knows how to make it so much better and it must be weird too because like obviously at this point you've sort of spent your day with your babies (laughs) thinking about all this world and you know all these characters it must have been amazing and like really affirming for you to have someone come in who takes that world as seriously as like you have been for all this time and is like yes okay so what's going to be the you know development here between these two characters and what's this person it is it is it's so nice and so funny too because yeah you're just talking about made up things but everyone does take it seriously Yeah, I mean, what unlike being a parent sometimes, I imagine. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, you also, we mentioned at the start, um, you now have three children. Um, So were you pregnant during this time as well? Uh, When was was your third baby born? I get really bad morning sickness at the start. So it just worked out that we were planning on having a third child. And I worked out I'd find out, um, I would have found out I'd been pregnant like, I'd be pregnant or not two weeks before the submissions were due and I just get really sick straight away. So I gave, I gave myself a bit of a false deadline two weeks earlier. I just pretended that was the deadline and also happened to be my birthday. So like I'll finish it the day before that and that'll be done. Um, so yeah. And then, so it was really good timing in that respect because uh, we did, we were pregnant and then I could be really sick and gross. And that was just that time that I was waiting. Waiting to hear back. It all just worked out quite well. Yeah. And then I spent most of that pregnancy doing the bulk of the editing. And then Tom was born last mm. October. Yeah. And by that stage, it was just the final um, 
I think once he was born, all I had to do was just a, the, the final little proofreading edits. Was there a particular part of the process that like really surprised you or like you, well, were you shocked at how long it all takes? Like, tell us about that experience. Um, no, just because I was listening to so many podcasts about it and that was just what everyone says. It's so slow. Oh, yeah. Like it's typical, well, just not so slow, but it's typically a year, right? Between when it's accepted and when you yeah. see the book. So I think I was prepared for that. Um, but I wasn't, I didn't know how much I'd like the editing process because, you know, you, you like to think, I like to think I take feedback well, but your work is quite personal, but I loved it. And I think it was just because the people I work with just got it. So they just understood what I wanted to say so well and really where all the feedback initial, a lot of the feedback was just areas where I needed to go deeper on a lot of points. Um, it was like, I like this, but you need to explore it more. So it really pushed me probably to write some of those more uncomfortable scenes. I'm someone, I don't like confrontation. And so I think that just came through in the book and I had avoided some of that. And so some of the feedback was, you know, you need yeah. to go deeper here. We need to know how they're feeling. And I can see now how much better that feedback made it once I did that. But I wouldn't have got there myself. Yeah. Like I could yeah. have read, I think I could have read, edited it myself another hundred times and not got to where it is now because I just needed someone else to look at. I needed yeah. a fresh perspective. Yeah, the outside opinion. Totally. Because you can convince yourself. Like I could go, oh, no, it's, yeah. you know, she just wouldn't do that just because it was easier to not have that fight scene or that argument scene. You do need someone else um, to sort of, yeah, I guess push you a little bit creatively with it, like a gentle nudge in certain directions. And also the, yeah. the editor, Jane and um, Alex, both of them are really good at giving me some ideas on, how to just tie it together more. So it was, you know, does read more of a story rather than these separate things that are happening. And then I guess some things that really surprised me that just sounds funny is um, sometimes that the comments, the editorial comments would be like, we need to know how you know, character X is feeling now. And I'm like, I don't know. And then I thought, no, that's just, <laughs> I need to work it out. And so then that would be like, often my, my first reaction is like, I don't know why you're asking me. And then, I have to sleep on it and think about it and go, no, you know, you can do this. Just <laughs> yeah. have a go. And then yeah. Work. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Though. What do you mean? Why are you asking me? It's like, it's, I only, you know, yeah. invented <laughs> it. <laughs> it's all yeah. my idea. So obviously the book has only just come out, but are you working on anything else for the future? Um, yeah. So I thought it would be really smart to have another draft ready to go before this came out which I maintain is a very smart I bet this is advice you've heard on all of these podcasts to have your second (laughs) book written before the last one and so one day I think (laughs) it was 100 days before I was promised you and so I thought oh if I just write 500 words a day that'll be 50,000 words I'll have a draft ready to go um, so I did that simple plan and then I put yeah. it away wow. and then I started thinking, oh, I don't think it's very good. And then I thought, no, you're being really hard on yourself. It can't be that bad. And then I picked it up and it was just so much worse than I imagined. Like it's, I think it needs to be binned. And I learned that, um, writing that word target just doesn't work for me at all. Um, but there was like just a little bit yeah. enough in the story that's something that I keep thinking about that's given me an idea. So it is very early days, but I think so- if something's come from that. It'll turn into something so else. my 50,000 words Yeah. Now. I mean, it's never wasted, is it? And I, I imagine um, you're sort of still writing in the same way or still thinking about it in the same way of like snippets of time when you can, playing with the kids, Yeah, like so that. practically – it's quite similar, but it's very different in that that first book I wrote, it was just so unselfconscious. Like I did write with the goal in mind. Like I did have a plan. Like I yeah. want to try and write a book and I do want to try and enter it in the, in this competition. Like I did have a plan, but you just have that, oh, no, no one's probably yeah. ever going to read it. And it just kind of happened quite organically, the story. Whereas now, you know, people ask me questions about the book 
And so it just means this time I'm trying, yeah. I'm this time I'm thinking more like, what do I want to say in this second book? Like what story yeah. is important to me? Yeah. So I just think yeah, it's going totally. to be it's a completely different it's scenario different. that you're in. Yeah, now, like right? I, I don't. Yeah. I think it'll be quite a different thing to write because I can't go back to that place of not thinking about or making. Yeah, exactly. You can't just undo yeah. that knowledge, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, and just trying to figure out what I want to say. I'm just thinking about. It. I'm probably overthinking it. I probably mm. need to just let it go for a while and work out what just what that little idea that won't leave me alone and um come back to that but I think it will be I'm slowly aging my characters up I think but I think it's still a YA book but it's year 12 (laughs) so then maybe 20 years down the track I can write about being an adult I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Very wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We've really loved chatting to you about. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been really fun. Yeah. So could you please let our listeners know where they can find and follow you online? Oh, uh, sorry. This is my terrible. Um, <laughs> I don't really have anywhere. That's no? fine. That's okay. That's allowed. Uh, you know, when you just I didn't make a decision before it came out what I was doing. I just looked at my Instagram and I'm like, they're just pictures of my kids that nobody wants to see. Um, so, so I just haven't really done anything about that. Oh, and also, like, the whole, like, okay. author yeah. Instagram thing, like, that's another it's a whole, thing. It's, yeah, it's yeah. A I just don't thing. think I'd be yeah. very good at it. Yeah, you're you're busy. Yeah, that's okay. The last author we interviewed, he was like, I've got one, but I've posted once. And I was like, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> like, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to Better Words. You can chat to us on Instagram at betterwordspod. And follow me, Michelle, at Unfinished Bookshelf. And me, Caitlin, at Just a Bookish Babe. If you liked this episode, please share it with a book-loving friend and leave a rating or review.